Welcome back to Rhino Medic Lens. I'm your host, Sherry Michelle. Let's go. Having a bit of an existential crisis on my current pup sit in Kona. I started reading Peter Shankman's book, Faster Than Normal. I've listened to his podcast uh, for a while, but I stopped for several months and just started listening to it again and decided to read the book and I'm actually just getting started, but I can't believe I waited so long to read this. And while it is insanely helpful and encouraging because he's in the trenches with ADHD and he's very successful and he's learned how to make the traits work for him, it also just... You know, anytime I read a book on ADHD, it makes me feel a little doomed. And uh, so I had to read this great article. Um, If you go to healthline.com, it's called, uh, the article is ADHD and Evolution. Were hunter-gatherers or hyperactive hunter-gatherers better adapted than their peers? And uh, they focused, Northwestern did a study where they focused uh, specifically on the DR, uh, D17R uh, genetic variant and found that uh, these, these members of <laughs> this, you know, population 10,000 years ago were better at protecting uh, better at hunting and gathering and finding places to live, places to hunt. Uh, this was their time. And Northwestern did a study in Africa. I can't remember where specifically, but they studied two tribes. One had remained nomadic and one had established a village and a school and, you know, a community uh, where they were staying put. And they studied this genetic variant in both of these communities and where in one they were thriving in the village they were having a very hard time with school and just the day-to-day mundane activities they were really designed for the nomadic tribe and here i am raw nomadic lens I didn't really um, take such a close look at my desire to be nomadic um, through this lens, through the ADHD lens. And I've considered at times changing this podcast to an ADHD podcast because I feel that it is obviously this constant river in the background Uh, My original plan today was to uh, finish Jen Sincero's uh, book, You Are Badass at Making Money. It's taking me forever to finish that book. I don't know why, except that um, I blame TikTok partially because it's very fast-paced working on that platform as well. Um, And I feel like I always have to be working on the business right now. Um, By the way, her first book, You Are Badass... I read on the plane my first trip to Hawaii, and actually, that's very interesting. I read that on the plane. Uh, uh, Probably, no, not both planes, just the one to Hawaii. I read that whole freaking book. 
I've had this one for several months and have not finished it. That's pre-TikTok and post-TikTok. I shouldn't say post, I'm still doing TikTok, but very interesting uh, what's happening to my brain, having to be on social media all the time. Quite frankly, I feel like throwing my phone in the ocean more often than not. Um, I do believe I'm hitting burnout with social media and and feeling resentful because I have to work so much at it and here it's not having a very great effect. I have to review um, some coaching that I that I had um, on this platform and see if um, I can get things back to where they were or not. God, part of me just wants to go back to trading, seriously. I love the animals, but I'm tired of depending on human beings for my income. No offense, human beings. <laughs> love ya. But what a fickle bunch. Um, and maybe this is just all part of me and Hawaii because they say the islands deliver what you ask for, that they deliver on your intentions. Uh, these pups are so sweet, but they are barkers. All right. So I came to Hawaii, a little review to heal scarcity thinking and master the art of surrender and stay raw. I have not accomplished any of these things. I do feel like I'm growing. Um, I'm getting much better at the scarcity thinking and surrendering. Um, much better. I've hardly mastered um, the art of surrender. But I do have a lot more faith that things will work out. With my finances, um, you know, it's very daunting to look at the whole month. But I have noticed if I just continue with this attitude, uh, it will work itself out. The universe will provide what I need. Everything is being provided for me. I'm, I'm making the bills. I'm paying the bills. It's day to day, though. We're not talking paycheck to paycheck anymore. There is no such thing anymore. It is day to day. So I'm just learning to live with that. Um, and trying to keep in mind that it's not going to be this way all the time. But right now, it's this way. And this is probably part of Hawaii delivering what I asked for for healing in these areas. Um so, yeah, real eye-opener, faster than normal. And I just discovered that my partner, Gabe, back in Chicago, when I first mentioned this book several days ago, he ordered it. He is a therapist, and he said it seemed to be really having an impact on me. Oscar, baby, come here. It's okay. It's okay. Come on. Anyway, he... Um, ordered it and it arrived today or yesterday and he's um he's reading it yeah so that is going to have a huge impact on our relationship it's already having a huge impact on me um it's just a lot to accept about myself and of course it makes me a little sad um I do know that raw has been the best way for me to manage it raw and 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 exercise I just haven't been able to maintain those things. And for the first time in over 20 years, I'm considering meds. I know. I've been so anti-med for myself personally. 
can't believe I'm podcasting while these dogs are, well, not these dogs. I gotta be fair. Steiner's sitting here being perfectly quiet. Aren't you, baby? Thank you. They're both Aussie doodles and one is much more Aussie than doodle and he is on guard all the time. That's Oscar. Total sweethearts, both of them. You would never know these dogs were cousins or the same breed, though. They're such opposites. Anyway, focus, Sherry. I am not raw. I Ever since that last dog sit, actually, on the 16th, I've not been able to maintain it. Um, there were a couple days where I stayed raw or a couple days also where I fasted. But... Help me. I'm just really having a freaking hard time. Stop. Why are you barking at me? That's not necessary. I'm not going to fix whatever you feel is wrong outside. I'm really not. That is nature happening out there. I know, Grumbles. Go grumble out on the on the lanai or on the deck. Yes. It's beautiful here. No. No, quiet now. Shh. It's beautiful here. These are great dogs. I'm having some time kind of to myself, except they need to be walked every two to three hours. I really don't know if I can continue this podcast. I'm going to go into a spare bedroom. Bear with me. I know. But Aunt Sherry needs some alone time. I just feel like everything is unraveling. Even though I'm in this beautiful place and I've magically managed. No, everybody out of this room except Aunt Sherry. Come on. Come on. Come on. Out. Out. Thank you. I love them. I really do. I'm just not in a good place. So, man, Hawaii is beautiful, but wherever you go, there you are. And here I am with my ADHD, my addictions. At least I know now that addiction is a really key component to ADHD. We all struggle with it. And I realize now that every time I was eating junk, I was trying to increase my dopamine because I don't have enough. And I I knew that vaguely. I knew I didn't produce enough dopamine, but I never made the connection until last night that this is what my body was trying to do. It was trying to create more dopamine. And junk food definitely does that. So does coffee. So, you know, I just medicated myself the best I could today for the first time in quite a while and had some espresso for better or worse. And I just wanted to podcast right now when I am am struggling because, again, total transparency. I just think it's important and I very well may change the name of the podcast because... This is the theme throughout from the very first episode, really. 
And maybe I'm the last to recognize that or admit it to myself. Um, I apologize for that. But maybe also it's why you're listening. Maybe you recognize some of your own behaviors. I don't know. There's five of us still here. Baby, please get away from the door. I think that it's important to recognize the good at the same time. I'm, I'm really working on growth right now. I'm really proud of myself for accomplishing the things that I have. This is the second year in a row I've gotten myself to Hawaii. I'm beginning to think that the ADHD has more to do with my depression, and especially seasonal depression, than the sun. It's not what I expected to figure out here. I always wanted to see what it was like to live in a warm, sunny climate for a solid year, thinking, oh, I might be a totally different person. I might not be you know, hibernating bear for, you know, October to April. Uh, But that's not necessarily so. I think the lack of activity in the winter has a lot more to do with it than the lack of sun. And looking back on 2015, when I was at Raw Food Boot Camp, I'm just going to say it, that was the name of the group. I don't know why we've been so cloak and dagger, dagger about that and trying not to offend anyone. I really don't care at this point uh, what the woman who runs that group thinks of me or I just don't care. Um, I'm grateful that she provided some structure so that I could see what I'm capable of when I stay raw for a a very long time, I'd say a good eight months that year. Um, But I don't agree with the way that she ran some things. I don't agree with the shaming. I don't agree with silly rules like one banana a day, only one. I don't believe in not running because you're gaining muscle and not losing weight. I just, I, I think that's all a bunch of garbage. And really it's just part of finding your own path, isn't it? Uh, When I left the group, yeah, I started eating some things that weren't raw, but I also started running because I was free to finally, and I fell in love with running. And I really got in the best shape I'd been in maybe ever and ran my best try. So I appreciate the structure it provided. Um, God, it was just so rigid, though. Anyway, because of Raw Food Boot Camp... Um, and my success with it in 2015, which, by the way, I was on and off in and out of that group for like 10 years. Um, But that year I did really well with it. Um, Because of that, I know that there was a winter where I did not have seasonal affective disorder. I did not have the winter depression. And it was, I think, more to do with the fact that I was walking five hours, five hours, I was walking five miles a day, two hours a day, almost every day. I think I missed like twice. And there were a couple days that were super cold that I had to walk indoors just up and down the hallway of my building. Um, They called me Luke Hallwalker. That was my nickname. That was funny. But um, 
yeah, the, the sun wasn't like out every day, of course. It's Chicago, it's very gray in the winter. But I was out there, um, I was getting exercise every day. So it's important for me to recognize that. And I was raw quite a bit at the time, like the most I've ever been, the longest stretch I've ever been. I was under eating big time, but, um, you know, that's also a lot of the scarcity. I've been um, really disappointed in myself for um, when you do a, a pup sit or cat sit, people are always like, help yourself to whatever I have in the fridge or the cupboards, whatever. And I do. And I think that has to do with scarcity thinking, especially right now. Well, especially when you're nomadic and things are tight and you are living day to day financially, hoping you can cover the bills. And all of a sudden you have like, you know, someone else's groceries, you know, right there. And you've been invited to eat whatever you want. So yeah, animal sits are not good for me in this way. I look forward to like, oh, I'll have time to myself and some quiet to work, quiet space to do animal communication sessions. But then like the things that obviously I have dogs um, here that um, are really, you know, they're, they're herding dogs by nature and they're barkers, you know, and as sweet as they are, it's not great for podcasting or doing animal communication sessions, which I record and then send to the client. Sometimes they'll be zonked out. Yesterday it rained a lot and they got really quiet and sleepy and that was great. Sometimes the animal in the session will communicate with them and tell them they want them to be quiet. No joke. It's happened several times now. So grateful for that. But uh, yeah, it's just not ideal. I mean, if I were really mastering the art of surrender, I would just roll with all of it instead of looking at what it's not and just make the most of it. And I still have another, you know, day and a half to do that. So maybe that should be my goal for today instead of all the, you know, the long list of things that I had set out to do on my day of rest, which is what I was considering this because I don't have any sessions today. But I really am not good at resting. And I know I need to work on that some more. Uh, I haven't written a chapter on my animal communication book in probably a week. I think I'm on chapter six. It's going okay. I wish I was doing it every day. I had a really, when I was raw, I had a really nice routine going where I was getting up early every morning to write before I would go do my housekeeping shift, which I'm doing at the hostel uh, part-time in exchange for my room. And then a little extra on top since I picked up another shift per week. And I just got to take a moment to like pat myself on the back. Everybody always talks about how expensive Hawaii is. And, you know, my cousin's wife said, oh, you want to go so bad. But I thought it was like $10,000 and I about choked. Um, I'm, I'm living in Hawaii for free. Like who, who would think you could do that? I didn't even think I could do that. I didn't know I could. Um, that really wasn't on my radar, like living here for free. But that's what I'm doing. 
I have a free room at the hostel as long as I keep housekeeping. I have free pup sits. Like this one was six days. Um, you know, would it be nice to be in a hotel room with quiet every day where I could um, write and focus and podcast quietly and do communication sessions quietly? Yeah, but um, that would be a completely different trip that would be a lot more expensive and there's my scarcity thinking again but that's a trip that I will have here eventually I have a friend that's visiting an old friend from school um, on the day I get back here it's day after tomorrow she's going to be here for a week she's invited me to stay with her at her hotel Um, that'll give me some more quiet space too I do still have to keep doing my housekeeping shifts, um, and I'll just get paid instead of having them subtract the cost of my room for that week. Feeling anxious um, about this friend visiting and excited too. Like, I think it's going to be really fun. We were best friends in high school, and then we had a falling out, and like, really just a miscommunication or misunderstanding that lasted, you know, like 20 years or something probably like 25. Anyway, maybe about five years ago, we connected, reconnected and talked about that and um, realized that it was, you know, a misunderstanding. And um, then we went on a trip together. We went to um, Paisley Park in Minnesota in Minneapolis to see Prince's home and his studio. And that was super fun. It was a really great field trip. We caught up a lot. And now we're going to spend a week together, something we've never done. Um, But we are in our 50s and have lived very different lives. And it's really hard for me not to compare myself to her and feel like I've made every possible wrong choice that there is to make. That's ridiculous, I know. Catastrophizing, right? But... I I still catch myself doing it. Um, She has a PhD. She um, has, and not that I want her life. I don't want a big home. Uh, I didn't want kids. Um, That's her life. She's a a professor, a business professor, I believe. Um, Drives a Jeep. She's in a band. She plays bass. She looks better now than she did when she was in high school. If you can imagine that. Um, always cute and color coordinated and (laughs) I know her life's not perfect, but it's one of those lives definitely on Facebook that looks perfect. Nobody's life is perfect. I get that. Um, when she shows up in a dream, I just kind of like, oh, and just scurry away. (laughs) Um, yeah. It's funny. I think I may have even told her about that. But um, I finally made the realization because my niece asked me, well, what was her home life like? You know what? Her home life was very similar to mine, really. Her mom was um, unstable and angry and emotional and a yeller, just like my mom. Um, Her dad worked at John Deere, just like my dad. And was kind of like the quiet one taking the brunt of all of that. 
Um, our dads are both very smart. Her dad was an engineer. My dad ended up being a, a welding teacher, moved up from uh, the foundry. She did have older siblings and then one younger. I have two younger siblings. The big difference though, I finally realized was that Tracy does not have ADHD. We're both clever, creative, funny people. Um, I think that's why we were best friends in school. Our boyfriends were best friends also. So the four of us did a lot of things together, but uh, she does not have ADHD. She just does not. And um, <laughs> as crazy as this sounds, like there is part of me that still would like to go back to school again. I was a really good student and that structure is really good for me. And I've said for a long time, like if I had it to do over again, I would go back to school. Like I, I would have studied neuroscience but that wasn't on my radar at all. Any of the times that I went back to school, well, no, I'd say the last two, it was definitely on my radar, but it just didn't seem achievable. Yet, part of me would really love to be someone who was on the outside in the trenches with ADHD and raw veganism and work my way to the inside where the research is. It makes me wanna cry, actually. Like, how cool would that be to, to be able to make a difference in that arena, to be able to do studies? There just are not enough raw studies out there. All of our health research is based on a cooked food diet, mostly the standard American diet. There are some vegan studies, but really, who benefits from a raw vegan study? The percentages are pretty small. I mean, farmers benefit. The people who can maintain raw veganism benefit. But Big Pharma doesn't benefit, and that's who usually funds studies. Sweetheart, just give me a few more minutes. So... Yeah, I think that would just be so cool. And by the time I finished a PhD, good Lord, I'd be pushing 60, if not over 60. Yet something tells me that I am capable of that and that it would help me, that all that structure would help me regulate food for thought. And do I continue on to France? That's still up in the air for me. Part of me um, feels that, uh, you know, if I don't do that, of course, I'm going to let down the people that I've said I would animal sit for months ago. Um, but even bigger, like, I feel like I'm going to let myself down because I'll always wonder, could I have done it? but I haven't healed my scarcity thinking enough to be comfortable with living another three months day to day like this, even though, like I said, the bills are getting covered. 
sometimes by the skin of my teeth, but they are like the universe is providing. And it's like, okay, so part of me says, can I live like that for another three months? And then part of me says, I think the goal is to live like that for the rest of your life. If you really want to master the art of surrendering. That's a bit overwhelming, but it's true. I've also been looking at the rest of my family. Um, You know, I mentioned, I believe, before in the last podcast that uh, I had scarcity thinking coming from my entire family. I was absorbing that from grandparents and aunts and uncles and cousins and... I hadn't realized that until just recently. Today, I'm also noticing the ADHD gene in both sides of my family. So my grandma Rhodes, um, you know, she worked at the university. And she was a manager in one of the cafeterias and trained people and worked there for a long time Um, but she absolutely loved to go to garage sales and a lot of my clothes when I was a kid were from garage sales and I still consider myself very lucky like my grandma was really good at finding treasures and she helped our family out a lot and The toys that I really, really wanted, gosh, she really came through on things. She just had a great eye. She was a great hunter-gatherer in her own right. She um, got me a TV for my room when I wanted one so badly at age 10, a black and white TV that I absolutely love. Like, that was life-changing. She got me an easy bake oven. She got me a baby alive. Things that my parents really were just like, we're not, no, we're not, we're not getting you those. Um, you know, for their own reasons, I was going to make a mess or mostly I was going to make a mess, but my grandma was really a diplomat. And not only did she find those things, but she made my parents um, realize like, look, it's just, they're just toys. She's going to have a lot of fun with this. See how happy it makes her. Um, Yeah, so she was kind of a treasure hunter. My grandparents on my other side, on my mother's side, were professional treasure hunters. They had a metal detector business that they opened when they retired from the hardware store and John Deere. And they had a metal detecting club. They knew people high up in the industry, like Mel Mel Fisher, you know, people that hunted for galleons and sunken ships and... Um, they had a, um, there was like a kind of a carnival every year called Kettle Congress where animals were shown and they had, it was kind of like a state fair, but, but, but not quite. And, um, well, it wasn't, I've never been to the Iowa state fair. I still would like to try that, uh, at some point, but it was in Waterloo, Iowa instead of Des Moines. And, uh, but same idea, just on a smaller scale. 
and they had a booth there every year. And to me, it was like they were celebrities. And they'd been in the newspaper for various things. My grandpa helped with um, several uh, murder cases, um, uh, metal detecting in the water for weapons that were um, tossed. And um, they had lots of treasure. They had these big glass cases in their office, which was in their home, that were full of rings and toys they'd found and treasure weren't allowed to touch that stuff weren't really supposed to even touch the glass or the cases weren't allowed to touch most things in their homes <laughs> till I was an adult um, but very interesting to me and when I think about my grandpa's garage and how disorganized it was and what a pack rat he was like yeah a lot of ADHD stuff there too and they were fantastic people and I have a lot of good genes from them and I can't think of ADHD as a bad gene it's a survivor's gene I'm a survivor and I come from survivors I'm just gonna need a little while to reframe a lot of this and it's not like this is the first ADHD book I've read but it's one of the few that I am have read or I am reading written by someone in the trenches and that makes a big difference when it's not just coming from some clinical psychologist who has studied it it's it's coming from someone who is living it as we speak and that means a lot to me if you are struggling with ADHD I just want you to know I'm right there with you. You're not alone. And you are highly creative. And you are a survivor. And obviously raw veganism can can help you a great deal. You know, when you think about that gene and when it was such an asset to be wired this way. We didn't have all the processed crap food that we have now. So clearly we were not meant to be consuming this. I don't think anyone is. But it affects us more. And we are swimming in it. It's everywhere. I would like to hunt for the right food. And I've often compared it to... uh, a game of Where's Waldo. The, the right choice is always there. It's a matter of whether or not I want to see it and acknowledge it and actually choose it. It's always there. Even Dairy Queen has bananas. You know, even an ice cream shop has bananas. And it's becoming more and more this way. You know, gas stations have bananas. Um, you know, they're not always going to have the best quality fruit at a gas station, but... It's there. That's the important thing. I'm, I'm at a, a home right now where I gathered a whole bowl full of fruit, which is pretty magical. Something in me did not want to eat it. I've made one smoothie from that. There was a papaya, avocado, soursop. Um, I bought some bananas. There were oranges from the front yard. 
I'm I'm struggling because that two bowls of fruit are sitting on the counter. And that was the plan. I was like, oh, I'm going to see if I can just live off of the fruit here on the property. Because of course I could. And that would be super cool. Like, But now I only have a day and a half left of the sit. And what have I done? I've lived off of what was in the cupboards and the refrigerator. I've only made one smoothie. I'm comforting myself because I'm freaking out. And I can't seem to stop freaking out. (laughs) Here's the conundrum. Here's the catch-22. I become much calmer and happier and don't freak out when I'm raw. But I have to get raw to get to that state of mind. And not that I can't do that. Of course I can. I've done it lots of times. I mean, sometimes I feel really bad for you guys because this is called raw nomadic lens. And how how often have I been raw? What would you say? 5% of the time? That might be generous. Two seasons. And I just really struggle with it. Still. 16 years of that. This is the 17th year. But I also know it's the ADHD that is making it especially challenging. The impulsivity. The wanting desperately to increase my dopamine and serotonin as quickly as possible to get myself to a better place mentally and emotionally instead of doing it slowly. I mean, do we want relief in five days or do we want relief right now? Apparently I wanted it right now because I made espresso. And then I think of the book, um, The Obstacle is the Way. That immediately comes to mind. So this struggle, this struggle, this struggle is actually the way. Just, you can't go through the mountain, you can't go under it, you can't go around it. You're going to have to climb it. And it's going to take time, and it's not going to be easy. But you can do it. And that's what I'm going to have to do. It's a great book, by the way, if you haven't read The Obstacle is the Way. I highly recommend it. And who knows? Maybe maybe choosing to face this challenge head-on, of climbing that mountain, is far more important than, than going to France and Spain and Morocco. And France and Spain and Morocco aren't going anywhere. Yes, I would have to eat a $555 plane ticket, which would be very humbling. And I would have to let down the people that I've committed to do animal sits for, and that would make me very sad. 
Um, but I feel like I've painted myself into a corner again. And while I often do that intentionally, um, I'm still struggling with uh, the back injury, the pinched nerve from the last dog sit um, and breaking raw that night. Um, I think the two really went together because I blowed up so badly uh, and so quickly when I break raw. Um, So there was that pressure. I think, I mean, I know there was that pressure already on my back. And then plopping down on my left side onto the bed with the dog is how I pinched that nerve again, um, tightening to the right, arched to the right, just like I was arching to the right when I first injured that and pinched that nerve, um, scanning books a couple of years ago, bent, bent over to one side while I was scanning books on a shelf. So... Is it even wise to go travel more and further with higher stakes because I don't speak the languages? I mean, I speak some Arabic, but not um, not fluent by a long stretch. And my French is so rusty, you need a tetanus shot. I don't speak Spanish at all. So, yeah, the stakes are much higher. I know that I would grow a lot. I just don't know. I just, everything feels so up in the air right now. And I'm going to send an email today uh, to a psychiatrist at University of Illinois at Chicago, which is also where I envision going back to school if I do that. Um, that was in a list of people that my doctor referred me to when I messaged her about trying Concerta, an ADHD med, and that this was the first time in over 20 years that I have considered, even considered doing a med again. Man, I don't... I don't like that idea, but it does help a lot of people, and it does help the author of Faster Than Normal, Peter Schenkman, so he got me to consider that. It's important to mention that he doesn't take it every day. He takes it as needed. He also skydives to gain focus and clarity and to release dopamine in his brain, then he'll he'll sit and write or answer a bunch of emails or make some videos or, you know, this is, this is something he does. He also does triathlons. This is a common thread also amongst people with ADHD, um, especially men, I guess. So that was an interesting discovery. Thank you for listening. If you're not following me, please do follow. I I always um, forget to ask you guys, follow. There's only five of us here, myself included. 
Um, but it would be nice if we had more followers, if we could reach more people, if you think that I'm, I'm doing something worthwhile here. Also, if you'd like to give me some feedback, if you go to Apple Podcasts, you can write a review. Um, tell me what you think. Give me a piece of your mind, whatever it is. Um, I'm open to it. I'm a big girl. I can take it. And I would like to hear from some of you. Um, I notice I have uh, a really good following in Belgium and in Singapore. Thank you so much for that. Um, it's really interesting to see that map grow with every podcast. Really, people all over the world are listening. And um, I appreciate that. I'm kind of stunned. Uh, I'm always amazed to look at that map and see all those dots everywhere. More in Europe, actually, than the U.S. Um, There's a little part of me that's proud that you've listened even once. Like I always say, you could have done a lot of things with this time, but you chose to be here with me. This is one of my longer podcasts. We're over 45 minutes now, but I just had so much to share with you and to talk through. And and like I say, I'm, I've, I've painted myself into a corner or eaten myself into a corner, I often think. Um, and there's just so much that I'm processing right now. It's helpful to have you to talk to. And I think it's also helpful for me to be able to look back on this. And I'll be able to see how far I've come. And probably give myself more credit for what I was accomplishing right now. Even though it looks like a tangled mess from where I sit right now. Um, When I look back on my first podcast, when I first went nomadic... I feel proud that I took those chances and that I shared my feelings and that I was honest and shared my struggles and was just very transparent about everything. And when I look at how far I've come since then, just not, not just the places that I've traveled, um, but how I've adapted I'm not selling books online anymore. I'm not doing eBay or Amazon. Um, I've tried and learned and figured out several more things. I learned how to be a day trader and a swing trader. I learned how to be an animal communicator. Um, I've started doing uh, hypnotic dream work again, something that I always wanted to return to. Yes, I'm struggling with making people understand what it is. Um, Unfortunately, hypnosis has a very negative stigmatism still may have been revived by movies like Get Out <laughs> but with hypnotic dream work I, I'm i starting to call it again dream solving uh, which is a title of a book that I began writing about it a number of years ago by the way I need a writer's group to have the accountability to finish my books that I've discovered this recently also I need that accountability. Dream solving is really more accurate because the client is putting themselves in hypnosis by reciting the dream three times in a row. It's a direct link to our subconscious. 
they come up with more details each time they recite the dream. And then very similar to clinical parts therapy, I have uh, the main characters of the dream speak to one another. I'm here because, you know, I'm the lamp. I'm here because I'm shedding a light on a situation that is unhealthy. I want her to take better care of herself or, you know, something like this. Each one introduces themselves and you find two that are in conflict. And that's the reason you're having the dream. You're conflicted about something. And those two parts um, really talk it out. And they always come to a compromise, a healing and the person thanks all the characters and for the things that they've learned from each of them. And they come out of it looking different, looking like they have a glow about them from the empowering process, from the healing process, and from the realization that they had all the answers all along, that they still have all the answers to every challenge they face. And I still do dream therapy on myself. I, I would write it out. So I often teach a client to write it out also. So they just always have that tool in their toolbox. They don't need me. They're not dependent on me. They did it themselves. My last name is Michelle. That is my former husband's name. And it means torch um, in Arabic or flame. And really that's what I'm doing. I'm guiding the client along their path to self-healing um, just illuminating who should be speaking to each other and um, who should speak next and and who has the, the conflict. And I feel very comfortable in that role and I'm, dare I say, I'm good at recognizing which characters need to speak and when. And I'd really love to do this work a lot more. So the big challenge has always been trying to educate people on what it actually is and how it works. I could have taken just that and left all the other hypnosis techniques behind. I could have passed on all of them and just done this. And part of me wishes I would have, but it's such an undertaking to show people what it is to get someone to volunteer, first of all, record it. I mean, I had plenty of people volunteer for past life regression, but not this. Even now, I just ran a promotion on TikTok for volunteers for this, and uh, two people volunteered. I have over 8,000 followers. Two people volunteered, and they don't have a thousand followers, so I'm not going to be able to pull either of their names for the drawing and do a live TikTok with them doing dream therapy. I just, or, you know, dream solving or hypnotic dream work, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> just, it's all a moot point now. It's just, I can't do the demonstration because I don't have volunteers that have a thousand followers who can be live with me. I'm going to have to turn to, you know, a couple of family members or close friends to, to do a demonstration with, um, and that's okay. It'll work out. It's just very frustrating.
I went to school for this in 2005. Well, not for this, for hypnosis, though. I went to um, the Hypnotherapy Training Institute in Corte Madera, California in 2005. So we're coming up on, you know, close to 20 years here that I've known how to do this. And it's just so powerful, so empowering, the most beautiful self-healing technique I have ever seen. And yet I can't get people to do it. I had one client recently and uh, she loved it and it was huge and it changed a pattern for her and it, it changed her job. She changed jobs just in a very short period of time from a dream that we didn't even realize was related. Neither of us did to the job situation, but it was. It was so beautiful. And I tell people, like, she's more than happy to share her experience. But, um, you know, I pitched it as um, an activity for the board, like, you know, surfing and island tours and this and that. Um, She said, why don't you see if our manager will let you, you know, have that as an activity available to people staying at the hostel. And I just get silence from the manager. It's, it feels embarrassing when I see her at this point. I just sent her another message the other day providing more detail. And again, silence. Uh, I heard back from another hostel. They're not interested. Uh, the other ones didn't even respond to my email. The restaurants that I reached out to one uh, was interested, and then when I finally saw her again, she was like, mm, I don't think the manager's going to say yes. I'm just ask somebody else to talk to him about it. And I just, I just said, okay, and I left. Uh, the other restaurants didn't get back in touch with me. So if this was a, a client or a friend saying this story to me, I would tell them, you know what? If all those doors are shutting, that's not your path right now. Stop beating your head against the wall over this and move in a direction that is open. You know, every challenge is an opportunity for growth. And if you just did nothing, the universe would still serve up those challenges every day. Or you could grow. This this program is constantly running. This challenge program. That's key to our evolution. Our spiritual evolution. So while it's very beautiful work, I think I'm just going to let it go. Maybe just use it when I see where it can help. And I know, like, that's counterintuitive because we're like, you know, now I'm going to make this work. I'm going to I'm gonna overcome all odds and I'm going to make this work no matter what anyone says. But I just have so much on my plate because I have ADHD. Because I'm interested in so many things. I have so much on my plate. My God. At any given time. It's no wonder I don't know how to rest because I'm overwhelmed. 
98% of the time. I just have way too much going on. And when I don't, I don't feel comfortable. I feel like I'm wasting my life. What do I want? Do I want a peaceful, calmer life? Yes. I want to be creative. I want to be of service. I want to reach my full potential. I want to love and be loved. I want to be quiet more often, believe it or not. What do you want? Let me know. Send me a message uh, through Apple Podcasts with your review. Follow. Don't just download and listen to the episodes. That's really nice, but follow if you believe in what I'm doing. If you're curious where this is going. I am. (laughs) You can also email me. S-H-E-R-I dot M-E-S-H-A-L at gmail.com. I'm on TikTok at Animal Communicator Sherry, S-H-E-R-I. I'm on Instagram at Raw Nomadic Lens. I'm on YouTube at Raw Nomadic Lens. Facebook, Sherry Michelle, Raw Nomadic Lens. Twitter. I'm all over the place, aren't I? not that there's anything wrong with that right I just want to reiterate you're not alone I'm glad you're here thank you for spending this time with me and I hope you're having an interesting day And I hope you did something creative today. And I hope you loved yourself for where you are. I do. I love you for being exactly where you are, exactly who you are, exactly how you are. Right this very moment. I love and appreciate you. Thank you. Carpe diem. <laughs>